Well, I promised you politics. Promised I'd use this platform to, to teach, preach, and reach whether you liked me for it or not. I promised you that I would break the rules about religion and politics. I promised to give you some direction on the upcoming election this week. But before we do that, I want to start with the wisdom of an eighth grader, a girl named Brecklin Brown. She was the, um, featured on the first presidential debate. She was actually the closing question that the moderator asked. And she asked this question. It shouldn't surprise you that none of the candidates had a good answer to this question, but here was the question. When I watch the news, all I see is arguing between Democrats and Republicans. When I watch the news, all I see is citizen fighting against citizen. When I watch the news, all I see are two candidates from opposing parties trying to tear each other down. If our leaders can't get along, how are citizens supposed to get along? That's an eighth grader. So from a bit of what I taught you last week, um, the first thing that we probably should recognize is, given that question, given what I shared with you last week personally about Annabelle's reaction to some of the times, first thing and most important thing maybe we ought to know is that our kids are watching us. They are looking at us. They are looking to us to provide some form of sanity and leadership because it's hard to find it. But that's actually not what I want to talk about. <clears throat> when we hear Brecklin's question, I ask myself that. How can we in the most divided of times, and I think I've referenced this before, but I think this is probably something like what it felt like around 1855 up to 1861 where there was such an unbelievable level of division and, and hatred for one against another, even within our own borders. That, of course, was leading up to the United States Civil War. I think that's probably what this, that was amplified, I realize, and there were some different issues, but amazingly, isn't it, isn't it shocking that there are some of the same issues? But what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to answer Brecklin's question? How, how can we ever expect, looking around right now, to restore order and peace in such a divided universe? In what can we possibly place our hope? It's a two-part answer, one of which I'll give you today, and one I'll give you after we see who wins the election next week. Not because it actually matters who wins it for what I'm going to say. What I want to see is how the country responds before I respond. Because that's going to be interesting to see, isn't it? But part one is this. How do we ever, how do we ever restore this peace? You ready for the answer? It's in this statement right here. We won't. But God has his man. God has his man. When I said we'd talk politics, I, I never said I'd tell you who to vote for. I, I said I would tell you what to hope for. Oh, man, Rabbi, come on. 
I wasn't going to come this week, but because of that cliffhanger last week, I showed up expect, I, I'm, you're baiting and switching me here. You're going to give me some like religious cop-out answer that we got to put our hope in Jesus, he'll fix it all. I know that already. I thought you were going to give me some good stuff. Like, I thought you were going to, you know, talk about, talk about the, the, that the future of mankind depends on whether or not we vote for this guy or, or this guy. I wanted you to, you know, confirm me. I wanted you to make me feel good. I thought you were going to tell them how it is as long as who it is is the other side that disagrees with me. Well, to all that, I will say the morning is young. There's time both to make you feel good, convict you, and possibly offend you along the way. Not that I would set out to do that, but I have done it before. So, remember last week when I shared, uh, according to Rabbi Norman Lamb, his memory be a blessing, shared the danger of preaching, preaching. People want you to say things that are unpopular. As a matter of fact, it's expected that the rabbi will stand for what is right, as long as it's telling somebody else how it is. So here's what we're banking on. God's got his man. And guess what? He's always had his man. Who did we meet last week in the second Torah portion of the year? Noah. Noah. Did you know Noah is the only person in the entire Bible that is called Sadiq, that's called righteous? Noah. Now, was Noah perfect? The story didn't end exactly so great, um, you know, but he wasn't perfect. He ended up, I guess if you're stuck on a boat with a lot of animals in your immediate family, you too might tap into the grapevine when it was all said and done. I don't know. I probably would, uh, but I love my family, <laughs> by the way. But, but Noah, regardless of perfection, was willing to do the job. And I don't think people ever really think about this, but do you realize you're sitting here because of Noah, that God was the first picture of what messianic redemption looks like if a Messiah is someone who saves? The world was saved through Noah. It's a interesting little thought before anyone wants to judge him for hitting the fruit of the vine. You thank him that we're alive because of him. But then, who do we meet this week? Another of God's guys. Who do we meet? The Parsha's Lech Lecha. Abram, right? Friend of God. Friend of God. The book of James, Isaiah, Second Chronicles. Abraham, your friend forever. Was Abraham perfect? Abraham told a little fib in the first partial we meet him in, right? Sarah, they're going to think you're pretty hot. Uh, it's best if you say you're my sister, not my wife, because that's going to work out better for me. Now, there are some creative ways in the rabbinic writings that that can actually be justified, that it was just not, he was sort of telling the truth, but bottom line, we know why Abraham said that. He was a little bit scared of what Pharaoh might do to him. Was he perfect? No, but man, <clears throat> I'm sorry, 
This is what happened through Abraham. All the nations, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families. That's your family, Gentiles. That's your family, Jews. That's all the families of the earth through God's guy, Abraham. God's always got a guy. So when Noah and Abraham, seemingly nothing special, certainly not perfect, but, you know, God brought about an amazing plan for humanity through these guys. To which your answer might be, Rabbi, duh. These guys are incredibly righteous. These guys were special. They were set apart. They were special, holy-ish type of guys. Of course God could use those guys. And you can say, they're his guys. They were amazing, full of faith. Noah was called righteous. Abraham's the measure of all measures when it comes to faith. But Rabbi, we're talking about Donald J. Trump here. Rabbi, we're talking about Joe Biden here. This guy, X, whichever one you hate, is the closest thing to the anti-Messiah we could ever imagine. God's guy is always a righteous warrior. These people are not. God's guy is always a righteous warrior. Hmm. Counterpoint. Consider these guys of God. <clears throat> the Passover story. Pharaoh. The Purim story. Haman. The Hanukkah story. Antiochus. The Passion story. Pilate. And others, and the list goes on and on and on. Cruel, despicable, demonic, barely human people that would make you question why God would have even allowed them to live based on the destruction and damage which they caused. And yet, not only did they live, they ruled, they had power, they had influence. Why? And there are many more. Nebuchadnezzar, another example. And here, speaking of old Nebi, here's, here's why. You ready for the answer? I'd never leave you hanging. The book of Daniel says, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. You ready? It is he who changes the times and the epochs, or is that epochs? He removes kings and establishes kings. Or if you want a little New Testament flavor to it, Paul says this in Romans. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Man. In other words, God's got his guy. How dare you, Damien, 
I can't even I can't even call you rabbi based on the lies that you're spewing up there right now. How dare you? How could you say that insert the name of candidate you hate could possibly represent my God in any way? How dare you? I didn't say he represented your God in any way. That's not what the text says. They don't represent God, but they are there because of God. There's a huge difference in that. Now listen, listen to this. Everybody, not everybody, thank God, not everybody. But Satan is not running this show. Satan is not influencing the airwaves to determine if X or Y is going to win. If you think that Satan is given that type of control in the universe in which God created, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You hear me? <laughs> he doesn't get that kind of power. He is a pawn of the Most High God. There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And the adversary, Hasatan, the devil, he doesn't get to make those choices. And that's take away one from what I'm telling you today. There's another side of this equation. Every one of those scenarios, every one of those, those despicable excuses for human beings that I mentioned above, for one, God dealt with them according to his purposes, and two, God has more than one guy. That's the way this equation works. X is not even equal. X is less than Y, and I'm not talking about the candidates, I'm talking about the guy that God lifts up on the other side of the thing. Let me make some sense of that. On the other side of, of what we don't understand and see and have a, have a challenge understanding why someone would be able to lead, on the other side of that, God has his man, Pharaoh, Moses, Haman, Mordecai, or even better, Esther, because God also has his woe man. Often. Antiochus, Judah Maccabee and his brothers, the Maccabees. Pilate, well, you could say Peter was on the other side of that. But since everyone else is rhyming with him, let's say, let's say Messiah, who is obviously God's guy. But you know what? Peter, think of the work that Peter and the apostles did after what Pilate allowed and did. But my point is this, even when it's impossible to see, whatever side you're on, whatever your perspective it is, even when it is impossible to see how it could be, there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. It's the great, it's the great parade analogy that my dad heard from somewhere and shared with me one time. You see, we're standing on the street watching a parade go by. That is your life. 
That is what you see in life. And we're standing on the street watching it go by. And we see the music band and the high school uh, prom queen and the floats and all that other kind of stuff. And God's just right there next to us. What do you think, son? How's it going? Do you like this parade? No. He's at the top of the, the skyscraper. or the, He's on the roof. He's watching the whole parade from start to finish. He knows when the trombone player is going to trip over himself into the tuba guy. He knows everything that's going to happen. And so he does and allows, that's the more important word, allows things. And we can trust that. So, let me get this straight. Now that you've redeemed yourself, I'll call you rabbi again. Let me get this straight, rabbi. You're telling me to accept immorality and or ineptitude in the people that are going to manage my country, my finances, my taxes, my X, Y, Z, one, two, three. You're telling me that I should just bow down, kowtow to immorality and ineptitude? No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you fight the good fight for what you believe in. Now listen, I am an American, and I know that there are people around the world listening to this who maybe, well, maybe have already tuned out because they're so sick of hearing about the United States election, they could die. But hopefully not, because this truth, this, this resonates across the world wherever you are and whoever your leaders are or will be. But I am an American, and I know that even within this room, men and women have fought and died for our ability to have freedom of voice and the ability to vote and make a difference in what happens in our country. So no, I am in no way suggesting that we just take that old, that old approach, oh, well, whatever. It's like, it's like, no. That's something else. I'm getting better over, you know, 15 years of not going down tangents here. Anyway, back on track. <sighs> Let's see here. So, if you haven't already, and a lot of people have, but on Tuesday, yes, you certainly should vote if you live in the United States. You certainly should do that. That's your... I would, it's not even God-given right or response. It's a responsibility, and it was earned through blood. <laughs> if you think about how significant that is. I'm proud of the country I live in. I'm proud. I want to see it continue the way I want it to. But you see, the king represented in Daniel represents, the king mentioned in Daniel represents authority. He represents government. He represents rule. And what we need to see and remember no matter what happens is that the God of the universe is in charge of that. Even now, even when we can't understand how, he is not confused. He's not sad about the presidential choices or the Senate choices or what's going to happen in two or five or 50 years. He's got it. Used to have a, oh, I, I still have a favorite rock band called the Black Crows, and they did a great cover of an of a old blues song called God's Got It. And that's pretty much all it says the whole time. God's got it, God's got it, God's got it. Listen to it, because God's got, no, don't listen to it. 
Don't listen to it. I don't know what the rest of the lyrics say. At the end of the day, even if your candidate does not win, God is still on the throne. He's got his guy for his purposes. We can wholeheartedly trust in that, no matter if you're in South Africa, Norway, Australia, Iceland, Antarctica. This is a fact. But, 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 but he believes in, but, but she supports, but, but, but he opposes, but the, I get it. I get it. I really do. He, but he's going to. I know, but God's got it. And God's got his guy. And it's important to remember that. My dad and I talked. We had a good talk this week on Thursday. And he told me we were talking about um, whether or not all is lost in the world. Good, uplifting talk on a Thursday, right? But my dad said, you know, we need, we need some hope, Damien. We need some hope. And it's not always easy right now in preparing these messages to find the hope to share. But we do need some hope. <clears throat> and sometimes all you can hold on to is what I just told you. I know what it looks like. God's got his guy and God's got it. Abraham, this week, the parsha is called Lech Lecha. That means kind of, that, basically what it means is get out of here. And that's what God says to Abraham. He says, take your stuff and go. I think a better name for the parsha would be Into the Unknown. Because I've been watching Star Trek lately. And that just kind of, that, that's in my mind. Abraham, beep, beep, Lech Lecha. No. <clears throat> we can relate to that right now, can't we? Into the unknown. We all have an idea of what's happening on January and January, whenever X or Y becomes the next leader of the United States. But we really don't know. It's, it's sort of unknown. But whatever happens on Tuesday, whoever you want to win, and yes, I could tell you my choice. It won't make a difference for what I'm saying. And based on what I've been hearing about some of the things that are happening on media channels and censorship and every other thing that's going on in the world, we probably would lose our 501c3. We probably already have been tuned into by the NSA because I said Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, in a religious, serum, uh, religious environment. But I don't care. God has his man. So you're saying that then, Damien, there's, there's, there's no free will, Rabbi? God's got it all laid out and we don't have any choice? We're, we're just little robots living in this preordained God set of events? No, I'm not saying that. And we're not going into a long free will discussion today. That's a very long and more complicated topic. What I'm saying is this. God has never, ever, 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 ever been surprised by anything that happened on the earth. God has always, 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 always known how to move forward. It was Noah. It was Abraham. It was David. It was Solomon. It was countless people. <clears throat> Righteous men 
And let's not forget their wives, as we mentioned last week, who really had to put up with a lot. They trusted in the plan of God, regardless of what was happening around them. You think Noah was happy? You think Abraham and Sarah were extremely happy that they're saying, huh, get out of here, go on, go on. But they never went to the depths of despair or lost hope. They just continued to trust that God had it under control. And knowing that externals are not all there is to see. Now, this is, this is hard to say after what I just said about being an American and voting and all that. But your vote, your, your, your one vote, of course it matters. But it's not the most important thing. Back to the eighth grader, back to Brecklin's wisdom. How, how, how can we get along? I see citizen fighting citizen, politician fighting, fighting politician. How are citizens supposed to get along? There's a great answer for that, and no one gave it. But here it is, you ready? Your vote as a citizen here in this world actually matters a lot less than this. Our citizenship is in heaven. For it is from there where we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach. You hear what that is? Citizens of heaven. I had a band one time called Citizens of Heaven. I knew I was on to something. <laughs> That's God's guy. And I'm sorry to be so predictable. But ultimately, that is the only true answer for what it is that we all desire. But it's like this. He will put it right, but we're not there yet, which means we have work to do. Us, the citizens of heaven. That citizenship carries a unique constitution. Yeshua taught it when he sat on a hill in the beautiful region of the Galilee. Remember it, right? He said some tough things there that I think we could all stand to meditate on right about now. All of us could stand to meditate on. Don't store up treasures in heaven. Blessed are you when people despise you. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If they want your coat, give them your cloak too. Woo! Those are pretty tall orders, but I don't have a cloak. You know what he means. We are about to be presented with an opportunity, regardless of what happens, to demonstrate our true citizenship. And James says it the best. Those who sow in righteousness will reap a harvest of peace. That is the, that is the Bible line for shalom Macon. Those who sow in righteousness will reap a harvest of peace. That's what Yeshua was talking about when he said all those things and gave all those instructions on the mountain. And that is our answer for Brecklin's question. Our citizenship is in heaven. The world is a preparation for that one. This world for that one. And what we do here and how we, how we live out our citizenship here affects your status there. And that's contrary to a lot of things that people teach, but that is the truth of life. That's why Paul talks about crowns in heaven. And yes, we throw them down at, Yeshua, at, at the feet of Hashem when we arrive, but yet you had one because you got it. 
because you served others and lived a life of righteousness and took the words of your Messiah and not just tucked them away in a little heart pocket. (sighs) They come out like the light. That's what citizens of heaven look like. And they don't care that much about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. But this is the conclusion. How? How? How do we deal with the anger we feel? How do we feel with the uncertainty of the future that that we want or perceive to have if it's ripped away or changed by some, some bad thing happening? What do we do about the injustices in the world? And, as, and each side sees those. You may be completely in disagreement with everything on one side, but amazingly, whatever side you're opposed to thinks they're doing good. It's crazy. You can't reconcile that. But I read this quote from N.T. Wright this week from a book called Following Jesus. Listen to this. Plenty of people in the church, it's N.T. Wright, plenty of people in the church and outside it have made up a Jesus for themselves and have found this invented character makes few real demands of them. He makes them feel happy from time to time, but doesn't challenge them doesn't suggest they get up and do something about, a plight, about the plight of the world, which is, of course, what the real Jesus had an uncomfortable habit of doing. One more time. Plenty of people in the church and outside it have made up a Jesus for themselves and have found this invented character makes few real demands of them. He makes them feel happy from time to time but doesn't challenge them. Doesn't suggest they get up and do something about the plight of the world, which is, of course, what the real Jesus had an uncomfortable habit of doing. I believe that he is N.T., but more importantly, Yeshua, J.C., Issuing a challenge to us, his disciples, regardless of who controls the White House, who controls the Senate, who controls anything, he is issuing this challenge to us. And next week, we'll conclude this little political mini-series post-election with a look at the life of the citizen of heaven and what that actually needs to look like. right here and right now. Yes? Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.